is Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. Welcome to Wealth Wake Up Sunday morning. Dick Donahue with you here on KGMI. Well, do we have disinflation, not deflation? You know, new home prices are much lower than a year ago. The average price of a new home sold in October was 10.4% lower, while the median price was down 17.6%. Records on new home prices go back all the way to the Kennedy administration, and never before has the median new home price dropped so much in 12 months, even during the busting of the housing bubble in 2007 to 2011. This is a signal that monetary policy has become excruciating tight that deflation is outright and generalized drop in consumer prices is about to grip the U.S. economy. Hardly. In fact, deflation doesn't even have a grip on the housing market. The new home prices only include the prices for the new homes sold each month, which in the past year has averaged about 55000 a month. That's out of a total housing stock of about 145 million homes. In other words, New home prices reflect what's going on each month with only about 0.04% of all homes. Another big problem with just looking at prices for new homes sold is that those sold in October of 23 might be very different in size and quality than new homes sold a year ago. Mortgage rates are higher, so many new home buyers are cropping their appetites, buying smaller homes to reduce their projected future mortgage payments. And builders are reacting to this, building smaller, less expensive homes. As a result, the average and median prices are falling, but not the price per square foot. Better gauges of national home prices include the Case-Shiller Index and the FHFA Index, which was designed to adjust for the quality of homes. They also attempt to track the sales of prices of the same homes over time. These two indexes show home prices are up 3.9% and 6% in the past year, respectively. In other words, no deflation. Home prices are not really falling. And when politics gets involved in the economic data, confusion is often the result. When you hear that inflation is falling, what that means is that prices are still rising, just not as fast as they were a year ago. The PCE price index, which is the Fed's favorite measure for inflation, is up 3% in the last year versus a gain of 6.3% in the year ending in October of 22. Core PCE prices, which exclude food and energy, were up 3.5% in the past year versus a gain of 5.3% in the year ending in October of 22. We expect this process to continue, with consumer prices climbing but at a slower pace. Yes, They might fall in a particular month when energy prices drop, but even in those months, core prices will continue to rise. It's important to remember that although the M2 measure of money supply is down 4.5% from its peak in July of 22, that follows a surge of 40% that preceded it. That huge increase is just winding its way into the economy, and it would be crazy to try to take all that money back out. That would cause a massive deflationary problem. As a result, the general price level is permanently higher than the path it was on pre-COVID. The bottom line is that the stance of monetary policy is tight enough to keep big inflation down in 2024. But don't expect it to stay there so long that general prices start consistently falling. At present, the futures market is pricing in a drop of short-term interest rates of about one and a quarter percentage points. We think the rate cuts will be steeper. The front edge of the shift in policy that will eventually cause an echo in the 2021 and 23 inflation problem in the year ahead. Unfortunately, it could look a lot like the 1970s. Let's take a look at our global wrap-up for the week. We saw a solid U.S. jobs report that cooled the rate cut in speculation. Global equities were modestly lower on the week, as expectations of quick rate cuts from the U.S. Federal Reserve dimmed after firmer U.S. employment data. The yield in the 10-year U.S. Treasury note fell slightly to 4.22% from 4.26% a week ago, 
but looks set to end well above the intraweek low of 4.10. The price of a barrel of West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil fell nearly $5 to $70.70 this week. While the volatility is measured by the CBOE Volatility Index, or VIX, was steady at 12.8. Looking at our macro news, we saw that U.S. payrolls beat expectations. Job gains in the U.S. were slightly stronger than expected in November, as the economy added 199,000 hires. The employment rate dipped to 3.7% from October 3.9. Average hourly earnings ticked up four-tenths of one percent on the month, while holding steady at four percent year-over-year. The relatively upbeat data helped cool speculation that the Fed will begin trimming interest rates in the first half of next year and pushed bond yields up to around 4.22 percent after it traded as low as 4.1 percent earlier in the week. We saw China's credit rating as a put-on-watch. Moody's cut China's debt outlook to negative while retaining its A1 rating for the country's sovereign bonds, saying that China's use of fiscal stimulus to support its local governments and its continued property downturn pose risks to the nation's economy. This was the first ratings adjustment by Moody since 2017. China's finance minister pushed back against the action, saying that the impact in property downturn is well under control. Moody's put Hong Kong, Macau, and many of the Chinese state-owned firms and banks on a downgrade warnings on Wednesday following the previous day's action on the mainland government's credit rating. On Friday, China's Politburo pledged to strengthen fiscal and monetary measures, bolstering efforts to stabilize growth. And we saw the Bank of England warns on U.S. equity valuations and private credit. In its financial stability report released Wednesday, the Bank of England warned that the context of rising long-term interest rates, the excess sickly adjusted price of earnings CAPE yield on U.S. equities has continued to fall and is approaching the lowest level since around the time of the dot-com crash in the early 2000s. The CAPE yield is a measure of excess return that investors expect from equities relative to government bond yields. That the yield is falling could imply the U.S. equity valuations have become more stretched, and the central bank said. The Bank of England also said that private credit and leveraged lending are particularly vulnerable to sharp revaluations given that companies with such financing are in a tricky spot because of the sharp increase in interest rates and floating rate nature of those debt instruments. And we saw the Bank of Japan is setting stage for an NIRP exit. What does that mean? Well, several Bank of Japan policyholders and makers, including Governor Keizo Yuta, and helped lay the groundwork this week for the central bank to eventually abandon its negative interest rate policy. While most analysts expect such a move will wait until sometime in the first half of 24, markets have priced in a non-trivial 30% probability of a hike from a tenth of 1% to zero as early as 19th of December, Bank of Japan's BOJ's rate-setting meeting. The yen strengthened nearly 4% against the dollar on Thursday before stabilizing. And a few quick hits. Easing inflation concerns among U.S. consumers helped send the University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Index up to a 69.4 in its preliminary day of December reading from 61.3 in November. And assets in U.S. money markets reached an all-time high of $5.9 trillion in the week ending December 6th, according to the Investment Company Institute. We saw German industrial production fell four-tenths of one percent in October to the lowest level since August of 2020. And in the Eurozone, the third quarter GDP was unrevised at a minus one-tenth of one percent quarter over quarter and unchanged year over year. And Freddie Mac said Thursday that the rate on a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage has fallen to 7.03% from a peak of nearly 8% at the end of October. And we saw Russian President Vladimir Putin announce Friday that he will run for a fifth term as president of the Russian Federation. Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up here on KGMI. We'll be right back.
A change of season is a beautiful thing, but you've got to be comfortable to really enjoy it. Hi, Joe T. And for my friends at West Mechanical Heating, Air Conditioning, and Electrical. Your furnace is back in action as temperatures have cooled down, and now is the time to have it checked by the pros at West Mechanical. An annual tune-up is essential to keep your equipment running as efficiently and as long as possible, but heating systems don't last forever, and it might be time to consider an upgrade. That could be a new ductless system from Mitsubishi Electric Heating and Air Conditioning. The beauty of an efficient ductless system is that it both heats and cools your home, the perfect solution for year-round comfort. And right now, you can save $1,000 on the installation of a new Mitsubishi electric system from West Mechanical. They're the pros I rely on, and they have a 100% satisfaction guarantee. So whether you're looking to keep your current system running its best or want to see options on a new way to keep warm and cool, contact West Mechanical today at westmechanical.net. You love what you find at Wilson's. Football season is here. If you're looking for the best seat in the house, you'll find it at Wilson's Furniture with reclining and motion furniture that will fit your lifestyle and budget. Wilson's on Pacific Highway in Ferndale. When you're high, you feel different. You think different, you talk different, you draw different, you listen to music different, but you probably knew that. Problem is, you also drive different. And not in a good way. That's why driving high is illegal everywhere. So if you're high, just don't drive. Make a plan to get a sober ride. Because if you feel different, you drive different. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Sign up for the CHS Northwest Propane Autofill Program and receive a cellular tank monitor with no monitoring fees. Plus, you'll be able to review your daily tank level readings from your smartphone or tablet. CHS Northwest, everything you need for home and farm. Online at chsnw.com. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. I had to start again with just my children and my wife. Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up. Take down here with you this Sunday morning. As always, we thank you for being with us. And we are asset advisors. We are located out on the Pacific Highway. I don't know how many, let's see, we've been saying this now for over 14 years. Trying to figure out a different way to say it, but it always comes out the same. Anyway, we're located out on the Pacific Highway in the Pacific Commerce Center, which is out next to Wilson's Furniture on your right as you head north from Bellingham to Ferndale. Take the Slater Road exit, take the frontage road there, the old Pacific Highway. Our address is 5060 Pacific Highway, Suite 101, Ferndale, 98248. Our phone number 360-733-1200. And we urge you to check out our website at wealthwakeup.com. Okay, continuing on with our global wrap-up this week, we saw that Italy has informed China that it is going to exit the Belt and Road Initiative. And we saw a court in Hong Kong gave Chinese property developer Evergrande until the end of next month to come up with a restructuring plan in order to avoid liquidation. According to the Pew Research Center, between 2019 and 21, the median household net worth in the United States rose 30%. To 166900 that was amid government stimulus and rising asset prices. And on Tuesday, the Reserve Bank of Australia held its policy rate steady at 4.35%. The Eurozone and the United Kingdom both saw their composite purchasing managers indices tick higher in November. The Eurozone composite ticked up 47.6 in November from 46.5 in October, while improvement in the United Kingdom services sector lifted the country's composite to 50.7 from 48.7, and in the United States, the ISM services index rose to 52.7 from 51.8. We saw the price of gold hit a record of $2,135.40 an ounce in early Asian trading on Monday morning before quickly shedding its gains. And in the U.S., October jobs openings declined more than expected, 8.7 million from 9.35 million in September. That was the lowest level of job openings since early 2021, and it brought the ratio of openings per unemployed worker to 1.3, close to the pre-pandemic level of 1.2. 
And the U.S. third quarter non-farm productivity was revised up to 5.2% from an initial set 4.7% reading as labor costs were revised down minus 1.2% from 0.8%. If sustained, increasing productivity could help raise the country's standard of living. We saw a harshly critical report published on Wednesday in the Wall Street Journal that suggested that China's GDP growth is most likely less than half of the 5 to 6% target that China set for 2023. And the Biden administration approved an additional $4.8 billion in student loan forgiveness. Who's going to pay for that? And then disposed Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives, Kevin McCarthy, announced that he will retire from Congress at the end of the year. That leaves the GOP with only a two-vote House majority. Chinese exports rose a half percent in November. That's the first rise in seven months. And we saw the Biden administration on Thursday threaten to seize the patents of pricey prescription drugs. According to Bloomberg, the administration unveiled a new framework under which U.S. agencies may also use march-in rights. This would allow them to grant patents to rival pharma companies if a drug developed with the help of taxpayer money becomes prohibitively expensive. Who says it's, which drug is prohibitively expensive? And the expectation of European Central Bank rate cuts in early 2024 helped push Germany's DAX index to record highs this week. And we got our new November employment report out this week, and the job market continued to move forward in November, but there's some trouble lurking under the hood. The good news, non-farm payrolls rose 199,000 in November, narrowly beating consensus expectations. Civilian employment, which is an alternative but volatile measure of jobs that includes small business startups, surged 747,000, helping to push the unemployment rate down to 3.7%. Meanwhile, the labor force, which is people that are working, looking for work, rose through 532,000, and the share of the population aged 16 and plus with jobs rose to 60.5%. That's the highest since the onset of COVID. But here's where trouble lurking under the hood. Private payrolls rose 150,000 in November. In November itself, while revisions to prior months reduced private payrolls by 61,000, bringing the net gain of modest 89,000. That modest net gain included some 38,000 fewer workers on strike. Without that strike effect, net private payrolls would have been about 51,000 for the month. In other words, although the headlines from the labor market remain strong, they're also consistent with the economy that is ultimately headed for a recession. In terms of the Federal Reserve and short-term interest rates, average hourly earnings rose a healthy four-tenths of one percent in November. However, this is likely affected by the return to work of relatively higher-wage auto workers. Average hourly earnings up four percent from a year ago versus a gain of five percent in the year ending November of 22. In other words, the Fed is probably satisfied with the gradual deceleration in wage growth, and wage growth won't be a major hurdle for the Fed to cut short-term rates when a recession arrives. In other recent news in the labor market, new claims for jobless benefits ticked up 1,000 to 220,000 last week, while continuing claims dropped 64,000 to 1.861 million. The M2 measure of the money supply is down versus a year ago, the yield curve is inverted and likely to remain so, and short-term interest rates are attractive. This is a recipe for risk aversion among businesses in the year ahead, and a reduction in business investment will likely lead the rest of the economy into a recession. The labor market is often a lagging indicator, and we expect the economy, real output from the economy, to noticeably weaken before employers stop hiring. On net, Expect continued job growth for the next few months, but a weakening and a recessionary labor market is headed our way. We also got the international trade report out this week for the month of October, and trade deficit in goods and services grew to $64.3 billion in October as imports grew and exports declined. However, we prefer to focus on the total volume of trade, which is imports plus exports as it shows the extent of business and consumer interaction across the U.S. border. After exploding higher in September, 
The measure pulled back in October, falling by $2.1 billion, still remains down 1.3% from a year ago. Exports are only up 1.3% versus a year ago, while imports are still down 3.2%, consistent with our forecast that the U.S. is headed towards a recession. While a recent surge in the federal budget deficit might have helped the U.S. economy avoid recession in the short term, this kind of artificial support can't last. Notably, there's a major shift going on in the pattern of U.S. trade. So far this year, imports from China are down 22.6% year-to-date versus the same time frame in 22. China used to be the top exporter to the U.S. Now the top spot is held by Mexico, with Canada and China flipping back and forth month-to-month between second and third. Meanwhile, daily freight rates have fallen rapidly and are back down to pre-COVID levels, or lower. As demand for shipping has weakened, this is confirmed by the New York Fed's Global Supply Chain Pressure Index in October, with the index staying in in negative territory, 0.39% standard deviations below the index's historical average. Weaker demand, coupled with the easing of parts shortages and less shipping congestion has pulled the indicator lower. Also in the report, the dollar value of U.S. petroleum exports exceeded imports once again. This marks the 20th consecutive month that U.S. has been a net exporter of petroleum products. In other news, on the labor front, ADP's measure of private payrolls increased 103,000 in November. That was versus expected 130,000 increase. Dick Donahue with you with Wolf Wake Up here on KGMI. As always, we do appreciate you being here. We are going to take a break. We'll be back in a moment, but thank you for being with us. Hope you're enjoying and getting ready for a great Christmas holiday. We don't have the usual traffic jams that they have in the big city, but sometimes things happen to snarl everything up. Depend on KGMI to keep you cruising to your destination with KGMI traffic alerts. We'll tell you where the trouble spots are. And if you see problems on the road, give us a call at 360-676-5464 so we can spread the word. KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM and KGMI.com. Bringing the world to Whatcom County and Northwest Washington. The People's Republic of China. They're launching the first pieces of their own space station. The John Batchelor Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 10. They're going to use what they learn in, in constructing this station and having people live on it to plan their uh, manned interplanetary ship and to do it as quickly as possible. On KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM and KGMI.com. Hi, it's Scott from Northwest Sleep Solution in Fairhaven. You know, I've sold mattresses in Bellingham and Washington County for a lot of years now. And I got a call from a lady the other day that was asking about our selection. She wanted one of these memory foam beds in a box you can get online, and we don't carry that. And she said, well, how do you have the best selection? So I explained to her the best selection often means not only what you do carry, but what you don't carry as well. And so at Northwest Sleep, rather than memory foam, we carry Tempur-Pedic as the highest rated mattress on the planet. Rather than some of the generic coil beds out on the market, we carry Beautyrest, the invented of the pocket of coil. We carry things that we believe in, and we don't carry things we don't. So come see us at Northwest Sleep Solutions on the corner of 10th and McKenzie in Fairhaven. A crisp company logoed shirt or uniform from Bergen. Whatcom County's local logo apparel experts makes your employees look and feel more professional. Bergen pairs their commitment to personal service with professional results, specializing in embroidery and all kinds of logoed promotional products. Unlike when you place an order online, Bergen's guarantees that your order will be completed on time to your specifications with a smile. Get your logo on the best brand names out there from North Face, Carhartt, Columbia, Russell Outdoor, Adidas and Izod, Van Heusen, Tommy Hilfinger, and more. Your employees will want to rep your brand in Bergen's logoed work apparel. And why not start a new company tradition with Employee Milestones Appreciation Customized Gear? Elevate your brand with Bergen Customized Company Apparel. From polos to sweatshirts, ball caps to bags and more. Bergen does it all. Give them a call to get a quote within 24 hours. Or stop by the showroom Monday through Thursday on Iron Gate in Bellingham. And online at bergenembroidery.com. 
If you're hearing this message today and you have faith in Jesus Christ, it's probably not because someone jammed a Bible down your throat. For those of you who have not received this free gift, make this the year that you ask for God's grace. Make this the year that you ask for his endurance and perseverance. If you still have doubts that God came down, born of a virgin, and you're still not convinced he lived a perfect life or that he healed the sick, that he walked on water or even turned water into wine, or maybe you're having a tough time believing a person who's fully human could be crucified, dead, and three days later be alive. If you have doubts about all this, you're not alone. Every Christian I know had some kind of doubt. Make this the year you believe. Believe that he died on the cross for you, that he wants to have a relationship with you, but he'll never force you to love him. But once you fully know all he's done for you, how could you not love him back? Have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year in Jesus' name. Amen. From our family to yours here at DD Insurance. The Hawks are back to defend home turf December 18th on Monday Night Football against the reigning NFC champion Philadelphia Eagles, and we're giving you a chance to win your way in. To register, visit this station's website and click the contest tab. Then fill out a registration form for the Seahawks vs. Eagles ticket giveaway, and you could win a pair of tickets to see the Hawks at Lumen Field in primetime. Entries are open until December 15th at 10 a.m. For contest rules and more details, please visit this station's website. Go Hawks! KGMI Connects with Joe Tian is about our community and you. You got a great program. You want to make it better? I do. Okay, here we go. For one hour of John and Rich. <laughs> and you are the referee. Join us each weekday at 4 p.m. for KGMI Connects. Those two guys are like Abbott and Costello. On KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM and KGMI.com. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. Tired of inefficient heating, poor indoor air quality, and rising energy bills? Contact West Mechanical today to explore going ductless with a system from Mitsubishi Electric Heating and Air Conditioning. Find them at westmechanical.net. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up. Dick Donahue with you this Sunday morning. As always, as always, we're glad you're with us and got questions for us. You know where to call us, 360-733-1200. Let's continue on with the November ISM Non-Manufacturing Index Report for the month of November. This is the Institute of Supply Managements. Still no sign of recession in the service sector. Economic activity continued to expand in November with a headline index rising to 52.7, beating consensus expectation. On the surface level, 15 of 18 major indices reported growth in November. But when you contrast this with the November ISM report on the manufacturing sector, where activity was contracted by 13 consecutive months and only three industries reported growth in November, there was clearly been a divergence in activity where output has been shifting back towards services following the COVID era when goods-related activity was artificially boosted. If we look at the details, comments from survey respondents were chiefly positive, citing solid activity consistent with the previous months. That can mostly be seen in the New Orders Index, which remained unchanged at a solid 55.5 in November. If we combine that with its forward-looking counterpart, business activity, which increases to 55.1 in November, both categories sit in a healthy expansion territory and have remained above 50 every month for the year or so. Meanwhile, the labor market in the service sector remains very competitive, with the index for employment remaining above 50 for the sixth consecutive month, signaling growth. Comments on employment continue to indicate that a lack of supply, not demand, has been the problem for hiring in the service sector. Finally, the highest reading out of any of these categories continues to come from the prices index, which ticked down to a still elevated 58.3 in November. Although this is well below the backbreaking pace from 21 and 22, we need to make no mistake, prices are still rising. Inflation remains a problem in the service sector. As for the economy, 
next year as the impact of the recent reductions in M2 measure of money supply make their way through the economy. In other recent news, cars and light trucks were sold at a 15.3 million annual rate in November, down 7 tenths of 1% from October, but up 7.4% from last year. You know, lots of debate out here. Saw a new study come out. I think it's really worth listening to. I will say that it parallels my thought from being in this industry for as long as I have. But basically what this study said is that an all-equity portfolio beats bonds and retirement plans, according to new research. So basically they said after the beating that they took in bonds over the last two years, investors could be forgiven for wondering if it was ever a good idea to rely on fixed income to lay up for old age. So let's talk a little bit about what's happened here with this beating, so to speak. What we saw as interest rates go up, bond values go down. People forget about that. We haven't had rising interest rates like this for a long time. You know, we went from the early 80s up until a couple of years ago, where interest rates were basically moving down. Now they went up and down a couple of times along the way. But during that big drop in interest rates, bonds kept going up in value. And a lot of people thought, hey, this will never end. Well, when interest rates go up, bonds go down. Now, will interest rates go down substantially from where they are now? A lot of debate on that one. A lot of discussion about what's going to happen with interest rates here in the future. Whether or not we're going to see a substantial drop or we're going to see a moderate drop from where we are. But this kind of parallels my thoughts. So let's take a look what this new research validates and how it validates these suspicions. You know, it's deeply out of consensus view, certain to rankle the Wall Street establishment. We had a group of academics that set out to test time-honored investing advice that says a diversified portfolio of bonds and stocks is the best way to save for the future. What they found across a sample of three dozen countries over 130 years within a mix of half domestic Half international equities actually beat blended portfolios in both money made and in capital preserved. The paper titled Beyond the Status Quo, a critical assessment of life cycle investment advice. That's a critical assessment of life cycle investment advice. Adds fuel to an already heated debate about what we call the 60-40 strategy that misfired last year. With fixed income suffering subpar returns amid the Federal Reserve's monetary policy, some have argued that traditional investing advice needs to rethink. So as long as equity investors are able to stick it out, they end up with a much better off with a highly probability that somebody who's trying to smooth out those short-term movements by diversifying into bonds. So the study said, and they used a computer, they ran a million simulations for American households the researchers found that splitting money between domestic and international equities built just over a million dollars of wealth on average by retirement, compared with 760000 for the 60-40 mix. In other words, you're sitting there with about 25% more money in an all-equity portfolio versus that 60-40 mix. And while the maximum loss for the all-stock approach was deeper, it wasn't bad enough to derail performance over the long haul. There were several factors that prevent advisors from grasping the advantage of an all-equity approach, one of them being overconfidence in stock bond blend born of myopic focus on the short term, according to the authors. Another issue is the lazy belief in the capacity of the two asset classes to balance one another. The researchers found periods in which they moved in unison are more common than people probably realize, and the diversified shareholdings across geographics works better. Data going back to before the start of the 20th century suggests that the failure to take full advantage of the upside in stocks means lost welfare established by $240 billion a year in one type of plan. The study employed a lifetime model that incorporates real-world data on everything from American income to mortality and Social Security benefits. Mixing stocks and bonds is the retirement strategy of choice for many Americans. Although the so-called target date funds offered by mutual funds, such vehicles house $1.8 trillion in assets in 21, rising from $340 billion a year earlier, according to data compiled by the Investment Company Institute. 
Now, when you talk about target date funds, that's kind of the default choice. In fact, I just talked to a retirement plan sponsor today about the fact that a lot of their employees are signing up for target date funds and question whether or not that was actually the right thing for them to do. But according to the Department of Labor rulings and fiduciary standards that they want to establish and all the other stuff, the employees are picking those choices. I'm going to say as an advisor, I'm going to question some of that. But it, again, it's something we need to talk about. Okay, so to be sure, Arguing that pension investors should shun bonds completely is going to strike many as extreme. It challenges a long-held and widely followed practice that fixed income constitutes a pivotal part of the retirement pool for many Americans. One way in which the new study differed from previous ones supporting the stock bond mix is that while it let the computer run portfolios among a random sample in months and countries, it strung the months together in 10-year blocks in order to capture market cycles. Big crashes are often followed by big recoveries, for example. And because the U.S. history of markets is short when considered next to investment lives of the last 50 years or longer, the paper employed data comprising 38 developed countries that went back as far as 1890 in order to, to derive investment outcomes. By including non-U.S. markets, it not only broadened the size, sample size, but also acknowledged the potential that American superior performance in recent decades may not repeat in the long run, just as the United Kingdom peaked about a century ago and Japan's heydays ended in the 1980s. The benefits from all stock approach continued after retirement, according to the study. So a little bit on where we're at on this one, and uh, it's kind of running ad hoc here and talking about it. You know, I've been in this business for a long time. I basically have always been one to like equities. I know that in times of volatility, we have more volatility, but we also find that you can manage money a lot of different ways. And when you sit down and you use something like, for example, the Morningstar Style Box, Morningstar Box has got nine little squares on it. And you have on one side your growth stocks, and on the other side you have your value stocks, or what we know as your dividend payers. In the middle you have what we call blend. And basically you'll find cycles in the last 10 or 15 years where growth stocks, primarily because of your so-called FANG stocks, your Facebooks, your Amazons, your Netflix, your Googles, your Microsofts, those stocks have made the growth indexes outperform the value indexes, in some cases a fairly substantial amount. So you have your large cap companies that are over $10 billion. Then you have your mid-sized companies that are over you know, 2 to $10 billion. You have your small caps that are less than $2 billion. What I believe is you need to diversify. And dividend-paying stocks, in my opinion, are very attractive in a lot of ways simply because they do have that dividend yield. What we find is that dividend stocks typically are not as volatile during down markets. So that's one hedge is having a lot of dividends in your portfolio. We're also finding that there are continuing to be new portfolio strategies that are being developed that I guess I would call them all-weather to a certain degree. But what they are, they're what we call hedged equity portfolios, where the portfolios are using a combination of strategies to hedge the downside in their portfolios, which means that they are measuring daily the market movements, and they will move a piece of their money that they have in their equity portfolios to a more defensive position based on what's happening as far as the market movements themselves. So we're using a combination of these type of things in our portfolios, and I think it's the right way to go. I found that, you know, using this type of portfolio, and we've got right now three or four different strategies that we use, Actually, I think I prefer going this direction over using a lot of fixed income in our portfolios for that reason. I think it's the right way to go. It's something we can sit down and talk to you on a one-on-one -on -one basis and discuss with you, but I think it is something that works for a lot of people. This is Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up here on KGMI. We'll be right back. Solar isn't free, but the energy it captures can be. Hi, I'm Brad Barron, CEO at Barron Heating, AC, Electrical, and Plumbing. As a trusted, local, five-time award-winning clean energy company with decades of combined solar experience, Barron will support you beyond the panels to provide whole home energy solutions powered by the sun. Despite what those national campaigns may claim, solar is not free. But our sales team and project engineers at Solar by Barron are committed to helping you leverage discounts and rebates 
turning your sustainable dream into a reality. And here's a brilliant offer. Get an energy efficient heat pump at half price with your solar installation. That's a value of over $5,000. This offer won't last long, so give Barron a call today. Go solar and upgrade your HVAC system to a heat pump for half price. With Barron, you'll save money on sustainable solutions that go beyond the panels, keeping you comfortable year-round. Barron, your full-service HVAC, electrical, and plumbing contractor. Our mission, improving lives. Stop by Dewey Griffin Subaru whenever your Subaru needs a quick service and a car wash. Check out Dewey's Express Service Center. It's fast, convenient, and best of all, there's no appointment necessary. Open six days a week, including Saturdays. Stop by for your next oil change or any other minor maintenance, and you'll get a free car wash with any service. Dewey Griffin Subaru, community-minded and community-driven, and the only certified Subaru Tire and Service Center in the area. Hey y'all, I'm Kelly Clarkson. Every American dreams of creating a better life for his or her family, but in some communities, those dreams face difficult challenges. When we come together to help those in need get the same opportunities as everyone else, we truly are making our country a better place to live for all of us. So look for volunteer opportunities in your community to help others achieve the American dream, all right? This message is courtesy of the United States Air Force. Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land God bless the USA Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up this Sunday morning here on KGMI. Dick Donahue with you as always. And again, if you have questions for me, give me a call. 360-733-1200. Well, you know, been talking about this quite a bit, but... Um, New report out from the Washington Policy Center this week just kind of reinforces some of the, what we've seen. And what they're saying is that the Washington CARES Act is a lump of coal in worker stockings. For six months now, the Washington CARES payroll tax has been taking part of a worker's incomes each paycheck for another benefit that many of them will never receive. Worse, the money being collected will be redistributed to others regardless of their need. Why? This has helped the state save their Medicaid dollars by shifting long-term care costs onto workers and to create a new pool of caregivers authorized by the state and required to be in connection with a public union. This government inflation hurts workers' abilities to pay for the wants and needs that they have today. And it does not guarantee an easier path for people in need. But to gather support for a new program that is so unsupportable, state agencies are sending the false promise that the Washington CARES Act creates a peace of mind that a sufficient benefit will await workers paying in some day. But it won't. Lawmakers who support Washington CARES need to be honest about this with taxpayers and themselves. The mandatory program is not going to solve a long-term care crisis headed everyone's way in our graying population. It is, however, already making it harder for people to live and work in Washington State. There's no comfort or joy in this. Telling Washington workers that Washington CARES will be there for them someday is foolish. There are many hurdles in the way of qualifying for Washington CARES benefit. People will need to meet health care health qualifications more limiting than those in the private long-term care insurance market. A person will also need to reside in the state when in need of long-term care. And eligibility also depends on investment requirement. Most workers are going to need to pay the tax for 10 years without a break of five years or more. This is going to hurt many of the same workers. The lawmakers say that Washington CARES will help. Even if workers clear their hurdles and do become eligible for Washington CARES benefit, the lifetime benefit is $36,500. That is not enough to cover most people's long-term care. In fact, you'll be really lucky if it's enough to cover three months of your care. Concerns about fund solvency and high administrative costs offer more reasons to hope that leading lawmakers will come to their senses before January and be ready to repeal the long-term care law that created Washington CARES. There's an initiative that has until the end of this month to gather signatures that might be able to do the job of treating workers better than lawmakers are. 
look for a chance to sign Initiative 2124. It won't repeal the misguided law, but it'll make Washington Cares optional. Workers could choose to give a portion of their earnings over the scandal that could choose to keep if life needs and wants if they know that they'll have. Not only is this tax a 0.58% on every $100. Now, that's a 0.58% income tax. No other way to say it. It's 0.58% of every $100 is an income tax. It's harmful to workers trying to be self-sufficient. Actual reports show that in some instances, it won't be enough to deliver on the state's already insufficient promises. Washington Cares is the latest in taxpayer finance safety net for people in need and people not in need. There's nothing merry about taking from the poor to give to those who have more. So that's a, you know, like I say, everybody's paying that 0.58 cents. That's a lot of money. Then you add in their, the Family Leave Act on top of it. Those are income taxes. There's no other way to say it. Those are income taxes. Okay, well, I'm going to talk a little bit about a couple of beat-the-clock moves that you can make this year before it's too late. You know, the end-of-the-year lists are commonplace. The problem is that they always seem to get published in mid to late December. You know, I can almost hear the collective thanks-for-nothing comment as the information arrives too late to act on. But, you know, we're just a little bit after Thanksgiving, a week or two. Here are a few year-end items to consider before it's really too late. Number one, Roth conversions. The deadline for Roth conversions is December 31st. There's no such thing as a prior year conversion. If you want to do a Roth conversion in 2023 tax year, it must be initiated before the calendar changes. However, anecdotally, I'm hearing that some custodians are settling their Roth conversion cutoffs earlier, like early to mid-December. Any conversion requests that arrive after these self-imposed deadlines may not get done. To avoid the possibility of missing December 30th's first deadline, do your Roth conversion sooner rather than later. And we recommend that. Let's get it going if we're going to do it. We can help you with that. We have a tax program. We can sit and take your expenses last year and your, your deductions last year and talk to you and show you what benefit it may have if you want to do a Roth conversion. You need to note... If you find yourself up against the deadline and desperate to complete the conversion before the end of the year, you can simply take a distribution from your traditional IRA and then roll it over into a Roth within 60 days. This counts as a valid conversion. It would also count for 23, even if the rollover doesn't happen until early 24. Since the distribution came out in 23, it will be taxable this year in 2023. So again, Roth conversions are taxable. Hey, if nothing else, take a distribution out. Say, hey, I want the money. You just need to be aware. If the rollover does not occur until 2024, you're going to have to wait until 2025 to receive that corresponding Form 5498 showing that you did the conversion. Next tax break is Net Unrealized Appreciation, or an NUA. NUA is a tax strategy that allows a person with company stock in their work plan, like a 401k, to pay long-term capital gains on the appreciation of the stock as opposed to ordinary income if NUA is not pursued. However, we are already pushing the timing envelope here. Our advice is to never initiate an NUA transaction after Thanksgiving. There are just too many moving parts. Nevertheless, sometimes NUA requires a person to act. There are four triggers that open the door to the NUA strategy. If any of these triggers are activated, like, for example, by taking a distribution, then it's imperative to complete the NUA lump sum distribution before the end of the calendar year. If your NUA trigger has been activated, there's still time to get it done in 23, but you need to act quickly or risk forfeiting the trigger. You need to check your plan administration or your financial advisor to see if you fall in this must move now NUA category. Next one, something we do a lot of here, qualified charitable distributions or QCDs. QCDs are a popular way to donate. IRA dollars are usually sent directly with the IRAs to the charity. However, some IRA owners have checkbook IRAs. Herein lies a potential problem. When a check is written from a checkbook IRA account, 
The custodian will not recognize the distribution until the check is cashed. Checks written to a charity will qualify as a QCD, but the check must be cashed before the end of the year to qualify for this year. For those writing checks to a favorite charity via their checkbook IRA, get a receipt and make sure that the check is cashed by December 31st. Then there's required minimum distributions or RMDs. Not much to say here. The those are subject to an RMD, be sure to take it before the end of the year, otherwise the penalty can be really severe. Human nature often drives us to put things off until the last minute, but why wait? Whether a Roth conversion, NUA, QCD, or RMD, or any other year-end item, best to get it done. My dad used to say, there is no time like the present. Pretty wise sometimes. Granddad, too. Inflation is in advanced economies is now at its lowest in two years. We're seeing that price increases, increases in the OECD countries slowed in October to the weakest in two years. That's a sign that advanced economies are overcoming the worst inflation crisis in decades. The headline measure for this 38-member club, which includes a group of seven economies, dropped to 5.6% from 6.2% in September as food cut pressures lessened rapidly and energy prices fell back in most countries. The OECD reading for October follows data in many individual countries showing inflation has since decelerated further. That combined with signs of economic weakness in the euro area in particular has prompted to investors to bet that central banks will ease their monetary policy sooner than they had originally telegraphed. The Paris-based organization said 28 countries saw declines in inflation rates in October. Core price growth, which is closely watched by central banks, was broadly stable at 6.5%, although it continued to decline in the G7. Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up here on KGMI. Don't forget our live show next Saturday at 11 o'clock. Hope you have a great week. And again, if you got questions for me, give me a call, 360-733-1200. on the show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision.